Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you. The uh, past couple days, we've been working our way through the little epistle of Jude. And we're looking at three examples, we're on the third today, of how God has dealt with disobedience in time past. Uh, the first one we find in verse number five, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And again, unbelief. They were disobedient, sent spies into the land, didn't believe the promises of God, listened to the naysayers and ended up walking around in the wilderness for 70 years. Everyone over the age of 20, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, died. Then we have the example of the angels in verse number 6, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He has reserved these guys in everlasting chains under darkness into the judgment of the great day. I believe these are literal angels from Genesis chapter 6, who looked upon the daughters of men. Behold, they were fair and had sexual relationships with them, and giants were born unto them. They're found in Revelation when one day the angel of the bottomless pit is going to open, open the doors, and he is going to allow these guys out to punish men. So I believe that's what's referred to. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day, referring to the great tribulation, and we went over that. And then verse number seven, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, also, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now we have another example. The third example he's going to give of how God responds to disobedience, unbelief. Um, he brings up the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we read about those cities. Uh, we went back and looked at Lot, Abraham's nephew, uh, in Genesis chapter number 19, verses 1 through 10, how he, you remember the day Abraham looked at him and said, your herds, are, the, the herdsmen were beginning to quarrel. They were both very prosperous. And Abraham if you say, said, said, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Lot lifted his eyes toward the plain, toward Sodom, and he went that way. And of course, later in the story, we find that Sodom was living inside the city. And not only was he living inside of the city, but, but he was very prominent, sitting in the gates of the city. The angels came in. Uh, he recognized who they were, just as his uncle Abraham had recognized who they were. He bowed down to them, invited them to come and stay in his home for the evening. And they insisted, nah, we'll stay here in the street. Again, the angels knew full well why they were there, and Lot knew full well what would happen if these guys stayed in the street. So he insisted, and they came into his home. And no sooner had they gotten into the house and shut the door, the men of the city surrounded the city and said, Bring them out to us that we may have carnal relationships with them. In other words, that we may uh, have sexual relationships with them. Make no mistake about it, the, the sin of Sodom was homosexuality. It is where we get the word sodomy today. A sodomite is someone who has, is a male who has relationships with a, another male. I mean, you can look that up in the dictionary. You don't even have to guess about it. Uh, but there are those today who try to dismiss this sin. That's an abomination to the Lord. And of course, all sin is an abomination to the Lord. It's just 
for some reason, homosexuality has risen to the top of political correctness in the day in which we live. Of course, uh, there was a day when no one got divorced. Of course, now uh, that rose to the level of political correctness and nobody, um, they had people quit questioning that uh, as a sin, but our churches are full of adulterers. Our churches are full of fornicators, uh, people who are outside of marriage having sex uh, are fornicators, uh, single people, uh, and yet we don't question that. Um, I read a statistic the other day that something like 80 plus percent of the average youth in the average youth group in your church is probably having sex. That, that means your youth group is full of fornicators. Our churches are full of fornicators, they're full of adulterers, and now they're full of sodomites. And of course, it's becoming acceptable in our society. Isn't that the way the devil works? The devil never comes at us with a little uh, pitchfork and a little red suit and a pointy tail. He comes and just makes it look natural. You know, what is abhorrent to one generation becomes tolerable to the next generation and becomes fashionable to the following generation. Uh, that's what the devil does. The devil doesn't just throw sin down our throats like that. He, he, he brings it in a little at a time, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. He's smart enough to know that he can't make us swallow the whole cow, but he can feed it to us one piece at a time. And that's what's happening to our culture. And that's why most of the churches in the United States of America, on, on, they're practically all over the place. I can hit one from here with a rock. I can close my eyes, sling a rock, and hit a glass stained window from here. But you know what? They're dead. They're dead in a bag of hammers. Uh, they're liberal. They don't believe the Bible. They don't preach the Bible. The pews are full of unrepentant sinners. And uh, that's what's happened to the church in America today. And God's raising up another church, I believe. Uh, you look overseas, you look at the church in Korea, the church in China, the church in the Middle East, it is exploding. Uh, God is using those churches mightily. Um, and that's the way God works. You know, um, you know, I get to travel around, visit colleges, and I see schools that were once on fire for the Lord that were founded by Bible-believing, God-fearing missionaries. And uh, now, you know, there's no, nothing in the schools that resemble Christianity whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I traveled to a school not many weeks ago. And if I mention the school right now, you know exactly the one I'm talking about. It used to be a Baptist seminary. They set me up right outside of an LGBTQ office on campus. Again, um, you know, we have started to accept sin. And, uh, but, you know, God doesn't accept sin. Sin, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it was sin um, yesterday, if it was sin a thousand years ago, it's still sin today. God's word changeth not. Now, we do. You know, we, we accept things that, uh, you know, a generation ago we, we never thought of as being accepted. I remember one time listening to, um, you know, how the, you know, that movie Gone with the Wind with Clark Gable and came on. And at the end of it, you know, the first curse word or uttered in the theater was uh, damn. Uh, Clark Gable said, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn. You know, and, uh, you know, America just recoiled at that. But hey, turn on your television tonight and see what they're saying. You see how it happens? That happens in culture. It happens in our lives if we are not 
careful. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump eventually. It's like a cancer. It works its way through the body if we don't confess it and we do not get rid of it. So again, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for going after strange flesh, the Bible says, or going after unnatural flesh, unhealthy affections. Uh, Tim, uh, Paul speaks to young Timothy about this in uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. You see, if I'm riding down the street and I'm cruising along on cruise control at 55 miles an hour, which is the speed limit, and I see a Virginia State trooper sitting on the side of the road, you know what? I don't even flinch. I don't even flinch because I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But if you're flying down the road and you're going 80 miles an hour and you see that state trooper, what do you do? You hit the brakes. Of course, he's not a moron. He's already seen you before you saw him. And he pulls you over and he asks you that famous question. Do you know why I pulled you over? Do you know how fast you were going? Uh, the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinner, for the unholy and the profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, and them that defile themselves with mankind. That's referring to sexual sin, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, or if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which has been committed uh, to, my, to my trust. Uh, the, um, the New American Standard translates 1 Timothy 1.10 um, for murders for more men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound uh, teaching. Um, the uh, New, New, New International Version uh, translates that same verse for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. I get sick and tired of people telling me the Bible doesn't address this issue. The Bible does, my friend, address this issue, and it was a sin then, and it's a sin now. In Romans, uh, we see it again in, in the book of Romans, again written by the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 18. It says, For the wrath of God is being continually present progressive revealed from heaven against the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. In other words, that word suppress means to sit on, to hold down. They don't want to handle, they do not want to hear the truth. I remember um, there was a movie years ago with uh, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Uh, I forget the name of it, but uh, uh, Tom Cruise was a, a, a JAG lawyer, uh, a Navy uh, lawyer, and uh, Navy or Marine Corps, I forget, and uh, Jack Nichols was being accused of uh, letting his men uh, haze each other to the point of death. And, and uh, Cruz said, I want to know the truth. And Jack Nichols, that famous line, looked at him and said, son, you can't handle the truth. And the truth be known, most, of us, most people can't handle the truth except in small doses. <laughs> they, they, we suppress the truth. We don't want to hear the truth. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no truth outside of Christ, my friend. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Everything that we need to know about God has been seen through general revelation, through his creation, and furthermore seen through special creation through the word of God. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made that you and me so that people are without excuse. No excuse. For although they knew God, they glorified him uh, they did, they neither glorified him as God, nor did they give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Why? Because they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for idols, for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God has given them over to their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created beings rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust, and their women, their women exchanged and exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned the natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. And I could just keep going on and on and on. The Bible says a lot about this sin. You know, Job chapter 36, verse 14, they die in youth and their life is among the unclean. Speaking of homosexuality. You know, Barnes points out, points out that the idea uh, Elihu, who was saying these words in the book of Job, was trying to convey to Job that those who lived hypocritical lifestyles and yet claimed to be righteous would be treated in the same manner as the most abandoned and vile of the human race. And the example he was using uh, was the sodomite. And there's just so much more, and I don't have time today, but we're going to go into this a little further next time. Uh, listen, I do want to end on a, a positive note for you. Of course, all the Word of God is positive, even when it doesn't ring um, very palatable, acceptable in the day in which we lived. The Word of God has never been palatable, and it's never been acceptable in, in totality. But I do want to wish each of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope that you, that you have a great time with your family and your friends. And we need to love one another. And remember, God hates sin, but he does not hate the sinner. So whether you're a fornicator or an adulterer or a homosexual or a liar or a coveter or a, a thief, God loves you and God offers forgiveness for our sins. If we would but confess, call upon him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to remember that. God bless you. Remember, he loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.